You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Go. Uh, <laughs> I still remember that Wednesday night when we didn't have the vinyl here and the sun was just, oh, it was on my face. And uh, anyway... Uh, Go to Exodus chapter 8, Exodus in the 8th chapter, great to have our pastor back, I missed him, great to have him back and, and, uh, but also uh, it's good to have uh, time away and time to refresh and regroup and and certainly at a at a conference or a meeting um, where uh, just get new ideas, fresh perspective, and just meeting with the Lord. That's Exodus eight, Exodus eight twenty five to twenty eight, Exodus eight twenty five to twenty eight. So it seems like we're going to get deliverance this morning. It seems like. Exodus 8, 25 and 28. The word of the Lord says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye to your God in the land. Go. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and they will not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will not let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only shall, only ye shall not go very far away and treat for me. Um, if you listen closely, Pharaoh said, go, go ahead, go uh uh, go ye, sacrifice to the God in the land. And that was verse 25. Can you go to verse 25, please? Uh, go ye, go ahead, go ahead, sacrifice, go ahead, worship your God in the land. And obviously what he means here is go ahead and go sacrifice. Fine, sure, go what God told you to do. Uh, in the land would mean Egypt, in Egypt. And Moses said, No, that's not what God said. Uh, I need to go a three days journey into the wilderness. So I need to separate myself. Mm, Catching on. I need to separate myself and uh, go a three days journey into the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, no, I will not let you go. You can sacrifice the Lord your God. Uh, uh, Only you shall not go very far away. I'm not going to let you go a three days journey into the wilderness. No, Uh, but you can sacrifice here in Egypt. And uh, that's kind of the, the basis of where we're going to have our lesson today. Um, in our passage, uh, excuse me, let me get to the right place. Throughout Scripture, God is continually calling his, his people to himself. Uh, God always calls his people to himself, and God wants a relationship with us. Uh, and, and absolutely, God wants a, a relationship with you. God wants to, uh, you to know him personally. Uh, but 
Such is, uh, and, and we know that, that the second commandment, the second commandment is Exodus 20, verse 5. Uh, Thou shalt not bow thyself to them, nor serve them, meaning the, the Egyptians' gods. For I am the Lord thy God, I am a jealous God. In our text passage, God calls the children of Israel out of Egypt and to be with him. And, and God is calling us as well. It, it, it is it is a calling where there's nothing uh, in he- ahead of us. There's nothing uh, in our way, in other words. There's, there's nothing between God and I. And, and when God says, uh, I'm a jealous God, I, I should be the only one. Um, and I think I might have been talking to a pastor about this a week ago. Uh, but it's easy to think, um, oh, well, well, there's the gods of Egypt and there's the, the other gods and the, the other gods. Uh, but we don't think of the America gods. And uh, why don't we go ahead right there and, and what are some um, cultural from America right, right in our, where we live? Uh, what are some gods, Nathan? Sports. Uh, sports are some gods that we put in front of God, whether, um, whether we are attending or we are playing. Um, and uh, something I, I appreciated about, I'll just say my experience. When I was in South Dakota in public school, they never had sports on Sundays and never on Wednesday nights. And, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, sw- I swear that that's the truth. Wow, I got really excited. I swear that's the truth. And uh, I'm not going to say that that's the truth today. I'm just going to say when I was in public school, they never scheduled sports on Sundays and Wednesdays. They couldn't? Is that a law? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, could, it could be a law, and it might maybe not could be. But anyway, uh, other, other gods. Pastor? Money. Money. Uh, the God of money. I've, I've, I've thought about like, ooh, what would my life be like if I had a million dollars or five million dollars and so on? And the more you think about that, it's like, would I really still be as faithful to church as I am? Or would I really still be as faithful to my Bible reading or prayer time or devotions? Or, um, or would those other things that I want to buy this and I want to take this vacation, uh, would those other things take my time? And uh, or you could talk about work, say, well, I need to go to work today. I need to uh, do this, that and the other. And um, and soon enough, money is becoming uh, the leader of your life and not God. Anyone else? um, What are some gods of our day? Uh, Richard. Facebook likes. likes. Yes, that's absolutely true. And that's um, I would. I would definitely say that my generation is having a problem with that. And um, I was watching a trailer to a TV show, and it basically said how it became an addiction of, uh, man, that's where I get uh, my, my worth. That's where their life worth was how many likes and subscribers and followers and um, things like that. And, and then they would just be in tears if... Um, Hundred or three hundred people unfollowed them. Well, what did I do wrong and things like that? And uh, it's funny to me, but it's a serious problem to many people. All right, so let's let's move on. So God calls us to Himself and tries to <clears throat> separate us. Uh, but surely, as God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, 
And God is calling us today. Uh, Satan is working to pull you away from God. There is also, uh, so God is calling us to us, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Uh, God is bringing us to him, uh, but that tug of war with Satan is also happening. And, uh, and we, are, we are in the middle. And, and it's our choice of what we decide, always a choice of what we decide to do. Um, and Satan says, I have a great plan for you. I have a great idea for you. And uh, most of the time, it's those things that make us happy or they make sense. Um, but it might not be the, the God's way of doing things. Uh, so Paul spoke of this struggle in Galatians 5.17. Uh, Galatians 5.17, for the, the flesh lusteth after the spirit, and the spirit after the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. And throughout the book of Exodus, God's, God calls his people away from Egypt. And he wants his people to be absolutely out of and free of Egypt. And it gives uh, a few reasons that I need to... Uh, sometimes I need to cut things out just to have the right amount of time for the lesson. But the reasons it gives, Egypt was a place of lust and consumption, and the Israelites only thought of themselves. They thought of selfishness. Um, and could that be described as America, a place of lust and consumption? I would say so. Uh, and then the next one, Egypt was a place of idolatry, the worship to the devil, and bondage. Um, and... You know, maybe that can relate to America, too. And we don't think that we're worshiping the devil. But again, you can bring up the other gods that we are putting in front of, uh, in front of our God, in front of church, in front of uh, Jehovah, the God that we serve. So um, I think many of us know, and you would know by now, that Egypt is a picture of the world. It's a picture of, of the things that are battling against us and and again, it says in the book that we battle against uh, uh, the world and the flesh, and Satan uses those things to try and distract us and pull away from what God has for us and the separation uh, that God has for us. So uh, let's begin with number one. There is a temptation to conform. That's number one. There's a ten- temptation to conform. God had already brought the first four plagues upon Egypt, and I'll name them quickly. He had turned the Nile River uh, to blood. He had sent frogs to completely cover up the land. He had made the dust of the land of Egypt to become lice, and he had sent grievous swarm of flies throughout the land. And I am not interested in any of those things happening. Oh, that would be terrible. And God promised to let the people go during the plague of the frog. Pharaoh promised, excuse me, Pharaoh promised to let the people go during the plague of the frogs. But when God removed the frogs, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he changed his mind. Um, then Pharaoh said to the Israelites, uh, so, so these plagues happened, uh, one through four. One through four plagues happened. And Pharaoh said, all right, I'm getting real tired of this, getting real sick of this. And then we're at our text verse now, uh, which is Exodus 8.25, and you don't have to, you don't have to click there. Uh, or That's fine. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, all right, go, fine. Go sacrifice to the God in the land. So uh, some four plagues already happened. Now I, I believe <laughs> uh, Moses and Aaron are just becoming a nuisance. 
Uh, they're, not, they're not so much of a nuisance that Pharaoh's going to let the people go. But I think that they're getting on the nerves of Pharaoh and they're, uh, they're annoying him. And um, I also found it interesting, uh, uh, Atreyu pre- uh, taught, preached and taught Sunday school last week. Uh, something I, I, maybe I forgot uh, was, the, was the age difference between Pharaoh and, um, and Moses. How Moses was um, possibly, and Atreyu, I might need help with this, Moses was possibly in his, like, in his 70s or 80s, and Pharaoh was in his 20s. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, Pharaoh is the man. Pharaoh is the king. Uh, the king of all the land, the king of two million slaves, which makes up Israel, um, and the king of the most wealthy and powerful country or, or place in the world. And uh, Moses is, is annoying him. And uh, bothering him. And now these plagues have come. Frogs and lice and just these nuisances have come. And now Pharaoh's like, all right, guys, come here, come here. Fine, go. Go worship to the God, to your God, whatever, in the land. And Moses said, "Uh, nope, nope. Uh, We need to go a three days journey. Uh, We need to separate. And Pharaoh said, no, you're not leaving. And kind of threw Threw the hammer down there. So letter A, a conforming invitation. Letter A is a conforming invitation. Pharaoh's invitation to Moses stated that they could go sacrifice as long as they didn't leave Egypt. Uh, It is, in effect, just stay here among our idols. And I wondered if um, they might add God to a part of their idols. Say, well... uh, On this day, we worship this God. On this day, we worship this God. And on this day, we worship the God of the Israelites. And then on this day, we worship this God and this God. And I wondered if the Egyptians might group God Jehovah into uh, their little G, you know, 2,000 gods. Uh, So Pharaoh said, yeah, you can stay. Just, you know, wrap it up. You know, it'll be a part of all the gods that we already serve. This invitation confronts us today. Uh, it presents to us, it presents itself at work and at school and at social events. You can have your kind of Christianity, but don't get carried away with it. You can have your Christianity. You can be a follower of God, sure. Uh, but just, can you just be normal? Can you just not get carried away with it? Uh, just stay here and hang out like we've always done. And it's, and it's a kind of peer pressure. Um, And if I could mention just quickly, uh, don't expect a raise if you don't hang out with your peers after work. Um, Peer pressure affects everybody, and maybe these are the different forms. Um, So then, don't expect a raise if you can't hang out with your peers after work. You can still be a Christian and go to church and be religious, uh, but do what we do, too. You can laugh at uh, these bad things or dirty jokes or things like that. And you can still be religious, just don't, don't be one of those radicals or don't go all the way out for God. And maybe uh, we might hear that from our families. And maybe we might hear that from uh, our coworkers and the people around us. And I know of, uh, of some young people, um, some teenagers, who got saved and were coming to church and their parents were not saved. And their parents were the ones that were saying this. Now, you can go to church, Timmy, 
But just don't be one of those radicals. Just don't, just don't take it so far, you know. And um, and in the in the guy's name wasn't Timmy, but I I'm gonna keep it confidential. That's that's what was happening. That was uh, legit, man. That's the second time. That's what was happening. Uh, so, but the Bible teaches us plainly. Second Corinthians six seventeen. Second Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. While this verse refers specifically to a pagan idol worship in the first century, it can refer to our other idols today. It refers to other idols of alcoholism or sensuality, and it refers to things that we allow to become an idol, uh, such as affluence of sports or, or anything like that. I want you to come out from among that. God says, I want you to come out from among that and come all the way out from me. Come out and be separate and don't stay in Egypt. And a lot of times Christians try and hold on to, to both. And um, if, if, if you might learn something this morning, um, you can't hold on to both. And uh, I, hey, it's okay if I admit to you that I've tried. I've tried to hold on to both. I've tried to be a great, perfect, wonderful Christian on a Sunday and hang out with my buddies on Saturday night and get into mischief. And man, did I feel uh, just like a fake, a fraud. And, uh, and you can't hold on to both, um, no matter how hard you try. So there is a conforming invitation and... and uh, uh, the next one is a courageous response. I think that's B. Yeah. Uh, a conf- a con- confronting invitation and a courageous response. And that is Moses' response. Uh, Exodus 8.26. And Moses said, said, It is not meet to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, Shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes and will not stone us? We will go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. Um, Moses' response was bold and uh, it was confident. The Egyptian people were a polytheistic, worshiping many gods of of many uh, many kinds of gods. And... um, what what Moses was saying is it, it is an abomination. It's it is not the right thing to do uh, to group God Jehovah the the Creator into all of these other things that were worship they were worshiping. Moses told Pharaoh that if the Israelites stayed there in Egypt and offered sacrifices, that he would be killing the very thing that the Egyptians were worshiping. <laughs> if we kill these animals, the Egyptians will stone us. Because we would be violating their law right in front of them. And we see just a big confliction. Like, uh, that, that it just can't happen. And despite, despite Pharaoh's firm invitation to worship in the land, Moses chose to obey God instead. Uh, so many times in many lessons, I remember, like, Moses said, I'm unworthy, I can't do this, and so on. Uh, but Moses is scoring some points right now. Moses is doing the right thing. Right now, saying, Pharaoh, I'm not going to meet you in the middle. 
And I, I think that's another thing that Pharaoh was saying. Hey, all right, fine. You can worship your God. I'll give you that. But it needs to stay here. And Moses said, I'm not going to meet you in the middle. I'm not going to. Nope. Uh, we are going to take a three days journey out of here. So um, in the discussion, in your notes, and I'm, I'm sorry, we're on lesson seven. I'm probably way too late to say that. We're on lesson seven, and I never found what page you should be on. Um, but 92, 92. I'm sorry about that. Uh, in the discussion, and, it's, and it should be in front of you, in what ways does expressing our faith in, in a public setting violate the world's ways? In what ways does expressing our faith in a public setting violate the world's ways? How does expressing your faith violate what, what you know, offend uh, the world's people around you? What was that? It offends, yeah, it might offend people. Um, and I'll move on to the next question. Why do you think it is offensive? Hey, why do you think it is offensive to other people in our culture when we express our faith? It's, ex- it's offensive to express our faith. But it is not offensive when public figures mock Christianity. Now it's not offensive if we make fun of it. Uh, Danny? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, maybe it's, it's a thought of like, oh, you think you're better than me? Yeah. You might be better than me uh, if you're worshiping the Lord. Atreya? Right. Yeah. Pastor. And I mean, you know, both kind of just continuing what they said, uh, but I believe it's the principle in John 3, you know, where Jesus said that uh, the men love darkness rather than light, so that we do evil, but we are the light, and our lives do express the light, and that in and of itself is offensive, because then it comes back to what you said, oh, you think you're better than me, mm-hmm. because we are living by God's standards, we're putting these conscience against theirs, but uh, I was just thinking like another thing that could be offensive to them, and whatever is the uh, kind of in the same vein, but the fact that we're exclusive. You know, we say Jesus is the only way. Um, oh, yeah. We're the light. We're, we're, we say no, this is right, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, so which, which all we're going to stand for what God says. Right. Uh, yeah. And the world wants to be very inclusive you know, um, very inclusive. And then when Christians come along and say, uh, Jesus is the only way, well, that's mean. That's, that's, are you saying that, you know, my friend isn't, isn't going to heaven? And I'm like, if he's not, if he or she is not saved or doesn't know Jesus, then yes. Oh, well, I, and that now we have a problem, Miss Jen. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Miss Doria? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I have two two things to add, and I like having discussions. This is you know this is Sunday school. We have discussions. Um, I'm taking some school classes online, and in one of my lessons, it says why you know why can we always have revival? Why can sinners always get saved? And it gave two reasons of um, God creates us. We are created with some knowledge of him. And that makes sense. We are created not enough knowledge to save us, but enough to condemn us. Enough to know that we are wrong. And in the book, it, it, the book described it a lot better than what I'm saying. But it was like um, a vacuum or a void that only God can fill. And, and I completely agree with that. And then secondly... Um, it, it's our conscience. Our conscience can condemn us, knowing, and, uh, and I, I, I said this, it might be controversial, that it, it doesn't take a saved person to know that murder is wrong. And somehow we just, we just know that murder's wrong. Well, yeah, our Creator created us that way. And lying and stealing. It doesn't take saved people to know that that's wrong. But, so going back to those two things... People have this knowledge, and they're looking, and it's not being fulfilled. And then, bouncing off of Miss Doria and Jen, it's it's they get offended when we oh well well we know the way well well let me tell you why why that is the way it is, and now something's wrong. Now it it just it, it you know it's, it, it bothers them when um, but I'm saying whether they deny, they can deny all they want. But if I know what the Bible says and how God created us, just like he created me, then I know that you can deny all you want, but I know that you have a conscious, conscience. And I know that God created you to, to, to reach him, to, to um, ask for more than just life. You know. And again, the book said it a lot better than what I'm saying it. But I, I'm thinking you, you're getting what I'm saying. And then, secondly, uh, back to the discussion. Uh, why do you think it's offensive to people in our culture when we express our faith, but it's, it is not offensive when public figures mock Christianity? Let me say something that really bothers me or, or offends me 
is uh, you can be a, an atheist, somebody that doesn't know God, uh, or claims that God does not exist. And boy, do they use God as a curse word. And that really bothers me. Especially, why do you have to say the name of Jesus? And that, if, you, if it bothers you, if you listen, and I'm, I'm at Menards, it happens all the time. And so I'm like, you know, you, so, so, you, so you don't believe in him. And he's not the only way. Why you got to use that name? Why? You know, that's the thing that offends me. And um, cursing God and, and saying God's name in vain. And I don't need to give examples. But that's the thing that I'm like, you know, they, they will mock us. But once I start praying, or once I say, in Jesus' name, amen, now there's a problem. But we, it's okay to use him as a curse word. It's okay, you know, and that just, all right, I'm starting, I'm starting to get bothered. Because that really bothers me. And uh, let's carry on. Uh, the temptation to compromise <coughs> is number two. The temptation to compromise. Uh, again, this kind of reminds me of, let's meet in the middle. There's a temptation to meet in the middle. When Pharaoh told Moses not to go very far away, he was offering a compromise, and Moses couldn't do it. Compromise is keeping oneself close enough to the world to still be influenced by it and kept in bondage, in bondage to it. Exodus, 28, Exodus 8, 28 to 32. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go. Go ahead, sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, and don't go very far away and treat for me. And Moses said, and, and I, we already read this, and Moses said, uh, uh, I will not go away from thee, entreat the Lord, uh, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarm of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow, uh, but not, let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people, and there remained not one. There was not even one fly remaining, and Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. There is a compromising proposal, and that's a, you can go worship God, Pharaoh said, just don't get carried away with it. Uh, does this sound familiar? It can get, it can I get it that you go to church on Sunday morning, but Sunday nights too, or, um, or Wednesday nights too, uh, I mean discipleship, you have to do this and that, you have to come and clean the church too, oh man, you have to do this and you have to do this ministry, oh man, that's so much work. Now, too many churches are, are willing to compromise. They have adopted uh, an accommodating theology where they try and blend the world's belief uh, with the church's philosophy. People want less preaching, so then the church gives them less preaching and more, more music most of the time. And people want more entertainment, and the church will provide it. Uh, you feel better. Uh, you feel better when you leave. Bef- you know, From when you came to when you leave, now you feel better. And um, I want you to feel better, but that's not my goal either. That's not pastor's goal either. And, and especially, hey, happy Mother's Day. We want to have a great day today. 
and we want to lift mothers up and encourage. Uh, but our goal is to not help us to feel better for the rest of the week, but it is to bring sinners to repentance, and it is to uh, grow spiritually, as, as we know. The, the purpose of church, however, is to worship the living God. The compromising proposal of the world should not be the voice to which the church listens. It's not just the church who listens to the proposal of compromise, however. Um, it is the girl that wants to dress modestly, but is afraid that she'll come across as weird. It's the teenage boy who wants to glorify God, but knows he will seem out of place if he doesn't cuss. It's all of us who know we should do how, excuse me, it's all of us who know what we should do and how we should stand up for Christ, but struggle standing up for Christ in the moment. And I certainly have myself. Uh, Moses made a wise choice. He knew he couldn't both be a friend to the world and a friend of God. Not a friend to Pharaoh and and the Egyptians, but um, a friend of God. Uh, James 4.4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Um, Again, you can't do both. And um, you can't, it's impossible to stretch and to reach both no matter how hard we try. Uh, now, Proverbs 9.10. Go to Proverbs 9.10. So we can't be a friend to both, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of holy understanding. Um, when we fear the Lord, we are going to have wisdom and make the decision not to compromise when we are tempted. Um, it is choosing the Lord and and fearing the Lord greater than what we fear the world or our friendships or our family. And that is the choice that we're making. There, uh, let her be a considerate response. A considerate response. When Pharaoh presented Moses with his compromise, Moses actually prayed for Pharaoh. And that's Exodus 8, 30 and 31. When Moses went out, and Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, prayed for prayed. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the flies from the swarm of flies from Pharaoh and his servants and from his people, and there remained not one. Just as Pharaoh kept tempting Moses, why don't you just stay in the land? Why, why do you have to be too different from us? Uh, Satan will use various people to tempt us. Just go to church, but don't change anything else. Or don't be convicted or... Or don't try and push that on to me, things like that. Like Moses, we can resist the temptation to compromise and pray for those who try to lead you to compromise. Uh, Man, that's easier said than done. Praying for those who try and lead us in a different way than what the Lord has for us. Uh, Number three, the temptation to corrupt. So there's a temptation to conform, a temptation to compromise, and a temptation to corrupt. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh presented, go to Exodus 10, 8, and 9. Pharaoh presented Moses with yet another proposal. He said, all right, I have another idea. Go ahead and sacrifice, but leave your children here in Egypt. What a terrible idea. Exodus 10, 8, and 9. And Moses and Aaron brought 
again unto Pharaoh, and they said to them, Go serve the Lord your God, but who are, who are they shall go? But who's going to go? <clears throat> and Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. All of us. So Pharaoh said, Fine, go, go serve. Uh, but who all is going? And Moses said, Everyone. <laughs> Uh, our flocks, our herds, our young, our old, uh, and male, female, all of us, are, are we're all going. <clears throat> a divine proposal. Letter A, a divine proposal. Satan wants to corrupt and divide our families. You can have the old generation, but give me the kids. Ooh, We have to really be on guard and watch out for that. Now, Satan, you know, fine, fine. Uh, and dividing the household. And dividing families and, and you know, the, the older generation and the younger and, and so on. We must watch out for that. Uh, let's do our discussion. What are some of the ways Christian parents can direct their children's hearts toward God? What are some ways Christian parents can direct their children, children's hearts toward God? Uh, Prayer, prayer, uh, Nathan, bringing them to church, most simple thing, leading by example, the word, Atreyu, yeah, oh yeah, definitely, um, what was that? Truth with our own struggles. Yes. Yes. Um, I loved, I have a lot of memories, especially with my dad, of just teaching moments when something would happen in front of me and dad would say, now Ryan, and it, I'll just leave it at that. It was a teaching moment. Um, and I would say to, to answer this, what are some ways we can direct our children's hearts toward God Bible and prayer and coming to church and devotion, family devotions and prayer time and singing uh, godly songs in the car. Uh, I don't know Miss Stephanie does that and other things like that. And then for for me, uh, teaching moments of uh, now now, hey, did you see that? Did you notice? Did you see that? Now here here let me let me show you something that you you might not have noticed or you might not have seen. Um, because children are very gullible and they'll they'll take in and might not see everything of what is being said. Um, we'll move on. <clears throat> Today, parents are are tempted to let their children stay behind when it comes to a family's commitment to serving the Lord. Hey, uh, let's pause pause right there because uh, the teenagers aren't in here. But I'm trying to turn something around. Um, in in the teenagers in an epic, uh, I want to become. I want to start to become uh, servants, and we need to start serving. The teenagers do. Um, so I, what I'm saying is, not only is it the parents, you know, to be in ministries or the parents uh, serve, but but we need to find places and fill holes uh, where the teenagers can do so too. Uh, I praise the Lord. Hey. And I, I do not want to bring them down because I know of some teenage girls that are in uh, the nursery. 
I know that they are. And I praise the Lord for that. And uh, hey, I, and during Epic, something that we've turned around is um, Abby and I are not going to be your maid. That you need to clean up after yourself. And they started doing that. And last, last week, um, Jersey made some French fries and she cleaned up the plate without asking me, without asking me, asking her. And I was like, yes, 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 we're doing something right. But anyway, uh, like we're, yes, uh, we're making headway. Uh, but let's, <clears throat> so in, in this, <clears throat> pointing children toward God, and man, did I grow in my life when I started having a ministry. And, and did you know I was in the bus ministry when I was, I think I was 13. I might have still been in middle school. When I started the bus ministry at Eastside Baptist Church in Sioux Falls, and I never quit until I graduated high school, uh, until I went to college. I was always in the bus ministry for those eight years. And man, it made me faithful. I had to be there. I had to. And uh, but anyway, let's let's start using our young people. Not only parents can serve, but our young people can serve too. Um, and it watch them grow spiritually because we grow. I grow. We grow when we serve. And our our teenagers, our our young people, are no different. All right. Uh, Proverbs twenty two six. Proverbs twenty two six. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. God's instructions to us is to not let your children make up their own minds, but rather to teach them and to train them and to guide them in his ways. It is our responsibility to bring them along uh, with us in our walk with God. Uh, let's go to, uh, finally, the temptation to concede. And that's uh, number four, is the temptation to concede. Yes, Please, go ahead. I was thinking of, uh, you know, all my life I think I've heard, you know, it's interesting how the parents make their kids go to school, make them feel special, something of that nature, but they don't want to make them do, you know, they just lie of not making them do, like come to church or making them Mm -hmm. do those things. But it's just like, it's almost been accepted by so many people because, yeah, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for my experience, I never had to ask my parents, "Are we going to church?" I I never once asked, and I unless they were sick. Um, but I it was always it was always set. It was always the Austins were always there. It was always set, um, and I carried that along with me into my adult life. Abby never has to ask me, "Are we going to church today?" or uh, you know, hey, you were working until 5 p.m. and on a Wednesday, and we have church at seven. Um, it's never a question. It's always <clears throat> it's always been set, and um, and that's another place of leading by example. Of uh, it's hey, that's that's what we do. That's what we're gonna do, and um, and uh, it's being firm firm in that decision. <clears throat> a temptation to concede. The devil never stops fighting, and, and sometimes his biggest ammunition seems the most subtle. And that's Exodus ten twenty four. Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Go ahead, leave. 
Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And that's Exodus 10, 24. Yeah. I'll say, so Pharaoh said, okay, take your wives and kids, but leave your animals. And Pharaoh knew that he wanted the Israelites to come back and to continue to be slaves. So again, I, I just see Pharaoh like playing mind games. You see that of, uh, fine, leave, but, um, but stay in the land. No, we're not going to do that. All right, fine. Well, who's all, who's all going to leave? It's like a, it's like a teenager to a parent. Who's all going to be there? And where will you be? And how long will you be there? And, and Pharaoh said, Moses, all right, fine. Uh, you can leave, but leave your flocks. Keep, keep your animals here. Because I think if Israel would have said, yes, fine, let's do that, then I believe Israel would have came back. Say, oh, I can't leave my favorite goat. <laughs> I can't leave. I can't leave. I need to come back. And uh, I think that was just, it's a mind game. It's a temptation, um, excuse me, <clears throat> to continually come back. And Luke 24, 34, Luke 20, 12, 34, sorry. Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. And where you, uh, maybe where you invest your money and where you put your possessions, um, your heart will be there too. And Pharaoh thought, if I can separate Israel from their possessions, Israel will come back. If I can separate the people from what they, their possessions, they'll come back. Um, and Second uh, Corinthians nine seven. Second Corinthians nine seven. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity. And God loves a cheerful giver. Giving, giving should be a reflection uh, of your heart. So there is a material concession. I don't know if I said a material concession. So material reasons is why we should stay. But then uh, a spiritual conviction. Oh boy, I need to end soon. A spiritual conviction. Uh, Moses had a conviction. And he knew it was impossible for him to leave their flocks and herds. Uh, because there was a large part. There was a large part of the way uh, they would worship God. They needed their flocks and herds to sacrifice unto the Lord. Uh, so it's not only their possessions, but that's how they sacrificed. That's how they, um, God used that tool to forgive sin. Uh, and then they couldn't do that if they left their flocks and herds uh, there in Egypt. So uh, let me uh, skip, skip, skip to the conclusion. God is a God of great love for you. And he wants fellowship with you. And uh, he is jealous of the things that have our fellowship. He's jealous of our money or our sports or the things that we put ahead of him. And the devil is consistently trying to pull you back and pull you away and bring you into a different direction from serving God. He tempts you to conform uh, very quickly. He tempts you to conform. says it's okay to have Christian on your bumper sticker, uh, but don't be connected with it let's just stay with the world and he tempts us to compromise saying don't go too far uh, keep keep some of those choice words in your vocabulary and be able to converse about worldly things be in the middle and he tempts you to corrupt leave your children behind and leave your possessions you know leave your possessions behind leave your possessions to the devil sure and then he tempts you to concede. Don't sacrifice. 
You can go to church, but don't sacrifice in your service and don't sacrifice with your money. Uh, and don't get involved with your treasure. Uh, when Satan comes to you, as Pharaoh did with Moses, tempting us to go a different way, uh, there's always a way for us to, to escape. And that was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, all, a lot of us know it. There's no temptation taken unto you what is common to man. Uh, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. So when we're tempted with those things that I just mentioned, there's always a way of escape. There's always another choice, uh, and that choice is the Lord. And uh, hold on to God's word. The world is consistently trying to pull you a different direction or give you ways to, to, to meet us in the middle or uh, don't be so crazy, don't be so weird and radical, but, but meet us in the middle. But the word of God is your anchor at the time of temptation and compromise. The word of God is our anchor. Uh, when those things come up. Any questions, comments? And we'll, we'll cut off the live stream there. Any questions, comments, uh, concerns? All right. Well, I'm excited. Hey, happy Mother's Day. Let's keep 